It is such an honor and privilege uh, to be with you guys tonight. I was thinking about, um, I think we moved here in 2006 and we're on staff here eight, nine years. So CPC and the table hold many memories, many relationships, very formational. Um, it's, it's a time that we treasure greatly. And uh, so we, we are, my wife and two middle school daughters are sitting over here. So I have two middle school daughters as well. You can pray for me about that. Um, but I was asked to do a couple of things, to set up the evening, and as we do this, something's ending, but something really good and profound is beginning. Um, was asked to do a couple of things. One is to reflect on the table's beginnings, why it was created, and uh, share a little story as we enter into this space tonight. So it's, it was pretty much eight years ago this summer that groups of us started meeting and planning out this thing that we didn't have a name for. That was one of the big challenges early on is the upper room is left, this amazing thing, and so how do we start the next thing? What is it going to be? And we've got to have a great name. And the table finally came to us around the idea of the Eucharist being so, so central. But um, it was different groups of people, but it was a guy named Greg Ingen was a huge part in this thing starting. He would meet with us take time weekly to do a strategic planning around how we could do this well. But it was uh, Corey Gregory, Laura Crosby, Steve Haynes, which you can blame anything that has gone wrong on Steve, uh, Jeff Johnson, and many others who were just dreaming. And then we brought different groups of lay people and dreaming about what this thing could look like. And um, the, the question of why really was that we want to reach people that maybe it's a certain demographic, but it's also people that maybe aren't being reached in other spaces at Christ Press. And that was the heart of the table. The first sermon I was looking back, John and I actually preached together from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And I looked at our main idea of that sermon, and the big idea was this. Jesus changes everything, and we are invited to step out in faith and join in the mission of God. Um, and I would say that's probably still the mission of the table, isn't it? That we think Jesus changes everything. And we think because Jesus changes everything, we're invited to be part of that narrative as well. And CPC has done that so faithfully over the years. And now something new has started. Um, when I was thinking about what story or stories to share, it was hard because I think to me the idea of stories, it's more faces. And I see a lot of those faces here tonight, which is absolutely beautiful, but um, it is people who bought on, bought into that whole idea that Jesus changes everything, and we want to dream about what it might be to be a part of that. And so I, I don't have a specific story. I'm just looking at so many faces. Um, and as I look at those faces, I'm excited for the next chapter. Um, I was thinking about what uh, the table is heading into, into and uh, what Matt and Debbie and this whole, you, you two are crazy, uh, and I mean that in the most respectful and <laughs> crazy as we could define that different between the two of you, Matt. But um, uh, starting eight years into the table being sent out by Christ Prez so graciously is something new. It's a church plant. Uh, it is one of the hardest things on the face of the planet to do is to start a new church. And that's what the two of you are doing. So I... I just want to say before we head into this video, one is I have amazing, amazing respect for the two of you to step out in faith, to lead whatever group of people are going with you and the group that's going with you. I have the same respect for all of you. 
Uh, all research so shows us that the best way to reach people who haven't been reached with the good news is to start new churches. And you guys are doing that very thing. You're going to share the gospel. You're going to live the kingdom. And I could not be more excited for you. So check out this video. Hi, I'm Jonathan Keller, and I've been going to the table since 2009 when it started. And I've seen God's faithfulness to me through the table in all seasons of my life. I'm Maggie Keller, and I've been going to the table since 2010 when John invited me, and we got married at the table in 2011. But in 2012, we baptized our first child, Jack. And in 2014, we baptized our second child, Grace. And in 2016, we baptized our third child, Thomas. And the table has been home for our family, and God has used it to show us his faithfulness. In over 30 years of attending church as a family, the table has been the first place that we can really say it's our home. We look forward to coming. We feel challenged to live our faith more true. And we genuinely love our small group and the greater community of people we've grown to know there. Table, we love you. Table's meant a lot to our family. We've started there. That's where Clay and I first kind of began our relationship and got married at the table. We've been able to be in a community where it's felt like our home and our family. Okay, so um, our community is when all the people in our community come together to make it so we can celebrate all the holidays of Jesus. And that's when you experience God? Yeah. Awesome. About six years ago when our family started attending the table, um, I was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And when Gino asked Brad and Steve Haynes to come and pray over me before my surgery, I was just blown away that they just knew how to love people really, really well, even a stranger. I have loved to see the iterations and growth that's happened over the years with Steph Spencer, with Matt Moberg, and can't wait to see where it goes from here. What do you like about the table? Sandwiches. Sandwiches, okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, the biggest way we've experienced God at the table is the first table retreat. Or the second, as some have informed us. We're not sure what the first one was, but it was at the table retreat. When I've been at the table, it's treated me like God has. Uh, I've been here for a year, gone for years, and every time, when I come back, I find love, I find acceptance, and I find belonging. And that is how I've mainly experienced love and God through the table. Me not being from around here, I've really made some great friends and have some quality friendships from this group, and we just really love you guys. The reason I came was through an invitation, and whatever concept moves forward, know that that invitation is powerful and can change lives. Please know that I'm grateful and thankful for everyone who's been a part of that story and blessings into the future. Amen. Eight years we've been doing this. Well, I haven't been doing this thing for eight years, but thanks, Brad, for sharing. Appreciate you being here. Uh, I really should stick to my notes, you guys. I'm a hot mess already. It was the first worship song, and I was like, I can't do this. This is good. Um, a few months ago, and by that I mean about a year ago, uh, we started having this conversation about where we were going. 
We had a sense among us that God was up to something new and we were trying to lean in and listen and figure out just what that new thing may or may not be. And as we tried to find the way forward, we looked at the book of Joshua, and we're going to do so again tonight, um, in the early parts when we first went to Joshua. We heard the story about Joshua in the absence of Moses leading the Israelites through the wilderness up until the point where they're seeing the promised land, and then they decide to stop and set up camp for a little while. And so we kind of took our cues from that story and figured maybe we'll just go ahead and do the same thing. And so, like them, we decided to spend the season this past year camping before we crossed over. We decided to uh, sit still and pray before we got busy and started to plan. We knew that if this was going to be of God and for God and look like anything to do with the kingdom of God, our ultimate destination had to be preceded by this season of consecration. And so we did. We sat still and we listened to one another. We made space for it all. I mean, in, in huddles, I'm looking at these corners out in these rooms where we got together some small folks. We've had the after-service meetings. We've had living rooms. We've had uh, lunches, breakfast, all of it. We've sat still, and we've made space for one another to hear each other. And we heard each other's hearts. And we heard all of the, the hurt and the hopes that were building up inside of them. And I know that I've said this 10,423 different times, but this has been uh, both the hardest season of my life, but it has also been the holiest season of my life. Because for the past 12 months, I've had the privilege of stepping onto this stage and looking at you all. And some of you all aren't easy to look at. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, this is what I do when I get uncomfortable. I make jokes. Okay, stay with me. But... Um, Seeing you all and being with you, not just in this room, but that room and the many rooms outside of this building. And somewhere along the way, somewhere as we walked through the fire of the past year, we became a family. We did. Just like Acts 2 led us to believe that we would. We became a family. We became for one another. We said some things. We spoke some things. It got honest, but nobody walked out. We said some things, we spoke some things, we stung each other, but we stayed in the conversation, and we became a family, and we still are. And whether or not we share a space for worship and community in the future has nothing to do with how for one another we will continue to be. We will honor the last prayer of Christ when he says, may they be as one, Father, as you and I are one. Tonight, though, is that night where we are going to uh, take down the tent and turn off the fire. I'm not a camper, okay? I'm trying to use some camper language here, but, you know, turn in the fishing poles and, right? And we're going to start crossing over. And so I want to read Joshua 3, the next moment, the climactic moment where they actually start making a move and... Uh, the reading's a little clunky, but I want you to get the picture of what is happening in this moment because it speaks volumes into where we are right now. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped 
in the brink of the water. Now at this point, the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of the harvest. So at the very moment when the priests dipped in the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. The city that is beside Zarethan and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. I hear this part. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all of the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Until all of the nation finished passing over the Jordan. The people who were camping have now crossed over. They've crossed the finish line. They've made it to the other side. They have arrived on the plot of the promised land. And what's interesting to me about this story is that Joshua, as tradition would hold it, he was the one who had the book deal. He's the one who wrote this. He's the one who was recording the details of this story. And it was insufficient for Joshua just to say that the people who were wandering in the wilderness suddenly found a home on the other side of the river. That wasn't going to cut it. He puts a lot more details in there. He starts talking about some priests who were standing in the middle of the Jordan. It isn't enough just to say that they made it to the other side. Joshua wants to make it very clear that behind every person that is crossing over the water, there is a priest who is holding back the waves. Behind every blessing, there is a body that's been broken. If you have received something good, it's because somebody gave something good. Behind every person that crosses over the water, there is a priest that has been holding back the waves. That has been our reality here for eight years. For eight years, we have been the benefits, that's not a word, the beneficiaries. Maggie, help me, you're in communications, beneficiaries. Thank you. We've been the benefits, I'm gonna go with that anyways. For eight years of Christ Presbyterian Church choosing to be the first to step into that river and stand firmly on our behalf. When a lot of people would probably throw in the towel on us, whether Debbie's saying something inappropriate on stage or whatever, <laughs> Brad's wearing too many earrings, whatever it might be, CPC has stood firmly in the middle of the Jordan, and they've had our backs. They have equipped us and encouraged us. They have protected us and preserved us. I mean, we are grown adults and they still give us camp scholarships. This is really as good as it gets. And there is a reason, if I can get even more specifically, there is a reason why I affectionately call John Crosby priest. Because this man right here, he has held back many waves for us. He's held back many waves for us. He's taken a lot of hits on our behalf to keep us afloat. And we haven't experienced any flooding in our community because this man has been standing firmly the whole time. And so, John, we say thank you to you for allowing our story to even be possible, for allowing this community to form some convictions and an identity, to go from wanderers to a people who are finding a home. 
can't be so quick to celebrate what we're going into or we don't turn around and see the people who got us where we are. And John Crosby and the church, his beautiful building has been the beautiful building that has built each of us. And why that matters so much is because someday there will be another river. And someday there will be another people who are lining up on the shore trying to figure out how they're going to get across this river. And they're going to say, where are the priests? And at that point, we the people who are crossing over this river will be the people on that river saying, here we are. How do we know how to do it? Well, we've seen it done before. We've been loved, and so now we can love. That is the gift of CPC. That is why it is such a rich tradition here on 70th and 100. Let me pray a blessing over this church and the story that is going to continue to unfold in powerful and new imaginative ways. Christ, I love how John always says that when we say Christ Presbyterian Church, let's be clear that Christ is the point of emphasis. God, we are your people. We rally around you. And Jesus, or I pray, Lord, a blessing, God, of your intimacy over this church. God, the love that you have poured into and out of this community, that it would not stop, but it would only get deeper and wider. God, that you would continue to tell an amazing story to the people who call this place home. That lives would continue to be transformed. That people would continue to hear that they are loved and that they're not too far gone. And that God isn't angry. That God is for them. That's the story this community tells. God, and I pray, Lord, that you would equip them the way that they have equipped us. With celebration and gratitude in our hearts, we bless this church in the name of Jesus. And all God's children, we say together, Amen. Amen. Hi, my name's Lelia, and I'm doing something for my church. On holidays, like when Jesus was born and when Jesus rides from the death, he we, we celebrate by doing fun traditions. Like on Easter, we always do an Easter egg hunt. From Willie.com. <laughs> always dignity, Matt. Always dignity. Um, I love that word, uh, family. Uh, right now, uh, Laura, my wife, is uh, over at the upper room uh, because uh, a young woman that she loves and has been walking with is speaking, and she wanted this young woman to be able to have eye contact with her so that she would know that she is not alone. This morning, uh, I got an email early from my uh, daughter in Washington, D.C., Katie. And uh, when uh, Katie went to D.C., she joined National Community Church, Mark Batterson, 
as the pastor, and he's been here. And Mark has this conviction that he needs to keep planting different churches. And so Katie and her sister Maggie went and were part of a church plant called the District Church. And that has been her home for about six years. And about two years ago, they started a new place on the east side of the Capitol, within sight of the Capitol in Washington, D.C. And Katie went, and since it's close to her house, she became part of East Side. And just yesterday... Uh, they sent uh, a note that said, okay, now it's time for Eastside to be its own thing and uh, bless you and see you later. And uh, Katie sent me this email this morning and she goes, Dad, this is a mess. And I sent back to her, it always, always is. It's always a mess. If you want tidy, if you want convenient, if you want organized, just die. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's going to change. But, but if you want life, if you want to see what the Spirit has in store, expect surprise. Hey, John, Debbie and I have been talking, and uh, this guy over at Knox Presbyterian wonders if we could have church over there. Surprise! Expect a mess. Our elders have spent the whole year not arguing, but testing and praying and going back and forth. And Debbie and Matt have shown that the spirit of the one God is on this thing because there could not have been more cooperative or more submissive leaders to say, okay, that's a great idea. Okay, we'll do that too. Okay, we'll do this. Oh, we hadn't thought of that. We'll do that too. And in the midst of the mess, they got ready to put their toe into the water with the prayer. We tell the story like it happened. We know the way it ended. They didn't know what was going to happen. They only put their toe into the water and then the water laid up on the side. And then they walked into the water. And then all the people followed them across. But the priests had, had to go first. I, I want to bless all three of those groups. The, the folks who have been the shepherds here on Sunday nights from the time where Brad and Laura and a gang, including Steve, started to do that. And then... When Steph and Matt brought both organization and chaos into the next chapter, I'm not saying who was which. I'm just saying. And then to see the way that Jesus continued to draw people in here and to bless people, people that probably would not have come at 9.30 in the morning where the organ is blaring and the choir is singing, but people who Jesus loves just enormously. I'm, I'm thrilled for this mess because I believe it's a sign that the Spirit of God is not done yet here. Here. Because it's our great privilege to be invested in the kingdom around the world. And we get to see it flourish in a little seed on Lindale and bless it. One of my doctoral courses had a, 
professor, and, and the professor said, uh, 338,000 churches between Maine and California, 338,000 churches. How many churches are there in your state? In, in Minnesota, how many churches are there? Uh, you know, he said, let me tell you, there's one church. There's one church. Jesus has a lot of locations, but he's only got one church. And I am thrilled to see what God will do in that one church. Lord Jesus, I thank you that 60 years ago, you brought a wild man named Roger Anderson here and he had the belief that even before this highway was here, that people needed to know who you are. And as it grew, the heart of the people grew as well. And they were willing to take risks and many of their children were those risks. They, they went out and came back better, and they went out and didn't come back. They started new things. I pray that that will continue, that uh, some of our children will grow up and stay here and be excited about what comes next, and that others will listen to the call of the King of Heaven and step out into the edge of the water and see what comes next. You, the great I am, who splits the water and calms the heart and brings the dead to life. You are here. Show us the next page of the story in your name. Amen. In the first conversation that Matt and I had with John, he said something that has stuck with us and has been the thread that we've all carried and maybe stumbled a little bit, but he used the word unity. And he said, above all things in this process, we need to hold up unity because that's what God calls us to because we are one church. And like John said, it's been a little messy because we're human. It's been hard. It's been holy. We've laughed and we've cried and we've learned an awful lot about ourselves and who this great, big, awesome God is. And we think about the table community. Matt and I were talking earlier. This is a community that has been through a lot of changes, not just in the last season, but since its inception. And you've seen people you love come and go. And you've seen things change. But in the midst of it all, there's one thing that has never changed, and that's Jesus a Jesus that was and is and will continue to be the foundation for the church. The Jesus who shows us what it means to love one another even when it's hard and the Jesus who gives us comfort and peace and helps us understand justice and joy. And for this community, there's been a practice, something we do every Sunday night, the one constant and all the change. And that's when we come together on Sunday nights and we gather and we partake in the bread and the wine. And when we come up and we take that bread and we dip it into the wine, we remember that the one thing that holds us together is this God who loves us, who will meet us wherever we're at. And that practice of communion has been our constant. It's what 
holds us together, binds us as one, and that'll continue here, and it'll continue in Minneapolis, and it'll continue for all the believers across the world. So tonight, we have this awesome privilege of having some of the priests, the priests that have gone before us, the people that have uh, been the visionaries for this community and the dreamers and the people who have ministered and loved us and walked alongside us and really hard things and laughed with us and done life with us and baptized our babies and married us. Those priests are going to serve us communion tonight. So tonight, serving communion will be Brad Jackson and Jeff Johnson and Steve Haynes, and Laura Crosby was coming. I don't know if she's still able to be here. Laura Crosby and Kyle Jackson. And together, we will take communion. We will remember the God that loves us. On the night before Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his community, and he broke bread And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. He took the cup and he poured wine into it and he said, this is the new covenant. My blood shed for you. And when you drink from this cup, remember me. And so tonight, that's what we'll do. We'll come forward during the music. We'll take the bread and we'll dip it into the cup and we'll remember Jesus, this God who loves us and will continue to transform us and work through us and push us to be the church that reaches the world. So please come forward during the music. There'll be gluten-free elements right here. There'll be people on these sides and people in the corners that would love to pray with you. Please stand and together we're gonna hold hands as one community and pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever. Amen.